Well, I'm not a millennial. They know nothing about Office 365. After a good single malt, you sound like one. What can I get you guys? Oh, the usual podcast whiskey, something unique. This is a well-stacked bar. We've got a lot to cover, Steve, so let's pace ourselves. Or an extra whiskey tonight for all those cloud technology heroes. That's just an excuse. We are the heroes. What are you talking about? Our podcast, Office 365 Distilled. Hey, Moraine, episode 58. 58. It'll soon be pension time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so while SharePoint finally reaches uh, maturation, becoming 21 next year, we'll go to episode 60. Episode 60 with a new theme tune and a bit of new branding and... Yep, all yeah. shiny and new. All shiny and new, well, not too new. We still be there. Exactly. But, but that's okay. to be honest, we asked uh, our listeners last time what they didn't like about our podcast. We gave them a few options, what they didn't like. And I have to say, 100% of those people came back and said, uh, topic overload. Yeah. Well, when you say 100%, you mean one. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that is 100%. So it, I love it what you can do with sti- statistics. Statistics. Oh, I think that Glendronach, 18-year-old that we just had, is kind of messing with my mouth. You know, Marina, I have to say, I think you give people the wrong idea. I think they get the impression that all we ever do is drink whiskey. Oh, yeah, you're right. We we need to mask it a little bit better. We do, yes. (laughs) Hide it. Yes. Hide it. Because we do stuff like smell whiskey. Yes. (laughs) Rinse Um, glasses. We talk about whiskey. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> exactly but anyway anyway and in between all of that we talk about office 365 which is what we've been doing most of this evening and particularly power apps so far today exactly and but uh, to be honest us talking about office 365 on the podcast is merely a good excuse to give to the tax man so that we can put our whiskies on companies dollars Absolutely not, Mr. Taxman. Don't I'm not with him on this one. I <laughs> this adds real marketing value to me as a consultant to my business. True, true. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Actually, let's let's go into some cooler stuff because we're both a bit uh, today. I don't know. We've had busy weeks. We've had customers that have been putting pressure on us uh, and everything else. But you were talking about a great drive you had at the weekend around. Uh, Yes. Uh, Belgium. You did the sensible thing. You were going to go to the seaside because I know you tweeted me and said, hey, we're off to the seaside. Cool. And then you changed your mind. Yes. So you took your Lotus. You took the lid off, I guess. Of course. Yes. Driving topless is, is the only way to go uh, with absolutely. that little car. And yeah. uh, Just enjoyed some sunshine, got some vitamin D, drove around for a few hours, made a few really good stops as well uh, to uh, one of the of my fra- favorite breweries. Uh, where we picked up some beers for later that evening, and yeah, this just a well a welcome weekend. Yeah, no, just as you said, like last week was just super busy. I did tons of work, made tons of progress on a number of things, and then I actually said to my girlfriend on Friday evening, "Look, this weekend I don't want to do anything 
difficult anything hard anything where i need to think a lot i just want to have a super boring weekend brain fade time exactly I and that that's feeling. exactly what we did we the, the sun was out the weather was brilliant so we just took some really good drives we sat outside in the sun in the garden read some newspapers drank some coffee drank a whiskey had a beer had some really good food that i didn't take long to prepare just enjoyed life as it should be on a weekend excellent did you have any good ideas none none at all none i totally <laughs> switched off to just go into relax mode i have to say i can never ever switch off i had this uh, i woke up saturday morning uh with this entrepreneurial idea of a of something in my head and it, it stayed with me all day yeah the only problem is i really need to win the lottery so i can get started on it it's going <laughs> to require a large amount of investment so yeah. but but i have those kinds of ideas all the time saturday i had a great thing i went to the uh bazaar yeah is that how the I arts house it? in yeah. uh brussels yeah. yeah um they have an exhibition on at the moment it's not big it's probably about five times the size of this office okay. um, but they did an experiment in the bazaar lab where they they tried to work out our how artificial intelligence would would look at a picture and what it actually deduces from a painting oh so they had a belgian artist uh whose name i can't remember and he painted a painting specially for it and then they scanned it with the ai and and basically let it rip on what it could actually find out about this painting so and is that is that just hashtags that it will give you like dark painting or man the window no, it or was way way cooler than okay. that so basically they they had a few videos running and uh, but then they started showing you the different things that ai did so the way it scans it the way it looks at it uh, the way it puts into sections and goes okay that's that's a mouth and it's the lips are pierced per, you know close together mm, so and, it's uh, it's an angry eyes face sunk back or and all yep. that stuff but then on, on the other wall, they had the whole decision tree going in real time that the <gasps> AI stuff was doing. Wow. Uh, it was really neat. I mean, obviously, it happens in split seconds normally, mm -hmm. but they had you showing this. So from this picture, as you say, the mouse was, the mouth was tight. So, uh, and then it had all, because what AI does is it uses machine learning to go, okay, when I looked at a mouth like this last time, I found out this information. So it could mean that somebody is angry. It could mean they're upset, da, da, da. And if they're angry, then that means this. And you could see this thing growing. And basically the, the AI worked out that this was actually a picture of a German officer. It was a, a Nazi from the First World, a, a Nazi. Uh, and that it was actually part of a bigger picture. And then it started to link that to the exhibition of that. And then it started to link that to the individual. And all of a sudden, in no time at all, you had a, at least 400 or 500 links from this scan of the picture. From He has eyebrows that are S-shaped. That means he cannot be trusted. And then it, it, it links together... Uh, you know Nazis that could not be trusted, and it linked. You know, okay. Uh, it, it was very impressive. I mean, it was literally only one room. Really, it was a little half an hour tour. Yeah. Uh, we then went to see. Was it? Is it Ravel, the the Belgian artist? Could be. But they've also the guy that does all the uh, Michelin Man type pictures. Uh, doesn't matter. Anyway, that was my day Saturday. But wow. the AI stuff, okay. I, I spotted it. It was really interesting. Brilliant. Okay. Yeah. So Sounds so good. that was neat. So now I know how Cortana looks at my emails. 
But oh, the, he put a frowny emoji on there, so that must mean that this email is not very happy or yeah. Mm -hmm. it, it is that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, it 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 did show me. I'm thinking to myself, okay, so yes, I get what it's doing to the picture. It was really enjoyable, very very cool the way it scanned it. And I'm thinking, so when Cortana scans my emails or my calendar or my time, I know it has all this information. But then I was thinking, and I've not taken it to that next level, where you know, watching this this AI map grow, I'm thinking, okay, yeah, so it says this could mean that, or this was a choice, or this depends upon that, or in some cases, this decision, I'm going, how many extra decisions are made on every one of my emails that I type, yeah. especially those that you do quickly? Ding, ding, ding. Uh, I don't know whether you use um, a Grammarian, whatever the-, the Grammarly. Grammarly. Yeah. I actually have the pro version of Grammarly. Um, but because there's lots of different reasons. Uh, maybe I'm shit at English, it might be the reason. <laughs> but, uh, but actually, you know, doing one email typing, you end up with 25 things it suggests you change. Yep. And, I, and it struck me that, you know, if Cortana's going through all of that, Cortana's probably going, this guy does bugger all English. Is he supposed to be English? This is a stupid email. Cortana, uh, okay, I need to start impressing Cortana more if she's listening and reading my emails and making decisions. Yeah, so I, I was wondering if, if she would be reading all the emails and suddenly you would be r writing a bunch of angry emails. Would it then talk to Viva Insights and then propose that you would take some time off? That's a good idea, isn't it? Dear Jeff. And, and, uh, <laughs> dear Jeff, yes. No, but you're, you're not wrong. It could actually teach you some of the learning courses that allow yeah. you... Anger management. Anger management <laughs> by Cortana. <laughs> we recently noticed that you were writing a bunch of shitty emails. Maybe you would like to teach... Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh -huh. Do you know something? We are not talking stupid here. This is no, all very achievable. This it's it's gold. amazing. Yes. Which brings me on to a new service that's being released on May the 1st that um, that I don't know whether it's under the radar. And I don't know what released means, of course. It might just sit there for weeks before anyone notices yeah. it. But the new scheduler, uh, Cortana scheduler, is launched on May the 1st, which is probably going to be the coolest thing that I've ever seen. Uh, but If it, it's coming to Europe. If it's, it is if coming it, to Europe. Oh, it is. Oh, okay. I, well, actually, you're right. Trying to find the right information on this yeah. has been a little bit troublesome, and I'm all the way through it. But yeah, because I know that that the Microsoft has has done a lot of Cortana stuff, but mainly for the US. Correct. I think it's it's in English. It says yeah. that's what it is. So I do believe it's going it's going to be globally released. But again, please, people, go check the information. But what it basically happens is that you you put an email together, and then you copy Cortana in. So you carbon copy Cortana. And then what she basically does is work out, okay, this is a meeting. I will uh, now give you some suggestions on uh, the best time to make the call. Now, what we have today, of course, is, um, all right, I can find a slot that nobody has currently got a meeting in. And how difficult is that? Find the next free slot. Yeah, but I really need to talk about this before September because that's the only one, because they've got so many people on this email. But what the new schedule is supposed to do is it's going to try and work out your important meetings and your non-important meetings. Mm -hmm. And it's, she's going to work out who needs to be at this meeting and then prioritize their calendars over the other people's calendars, which is kind of what we do anyway. Yes. So people fall into two categories. Either they take care when they choose a meeting or they completely ignore it and just choose a time that they can attend. 
and then let everybody decide whether they should attend or want to attend. Um, so this is cool. I know there's a demo somewhere. I think you told me a video that was for the... We talked about this. The launch video of the uh, Surface yeah, Duo. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, is it a book? Is it a film? It's a book. <laughs> yes. No, no. The, 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 the Surface Duo, right. Duo uh, launch video. Uh, and by the way, did you know that the Surface Duo is now also available in the Netherlands? Ooh. Yes. Is, is Marine going to buy one? Not for 1,600 euros. No, I'm not. No. no. <coughs> it has to be really special at those prices, doesn't it? Yeah, and I'm, I'm just going to wait for version 2 anyway. So I think I think a lot of people are waiting for the V2 or V3 of that uh, thing. I, yeah. I've, I've had a hell of a career. I'm, I, I really love my career. And, and there was a period in the middle of my career where I was at senior management IT director level for global organizations and at that point that device would have been perfect where I'm constantly in the back of a car driving from one place to another in the airports you know on the planes that kind of stuff and it's it's ideal then but yeah. for now where I really am where you know, just working from and home hybrid yeah. and, and all that kind yeah. of stuff you, you kind of you, you have two screens on your desk so you kind of have a a large duo device on your That's on your true, desk. true, but yeah. trying to get it in my jacket pocket would be a problem. Exactly, but you're not going anywhere, so you're just working from home. So I can't even remember the last time I wore a jacket. Actually, I can. I happen to wa wear one on Saturday to go to the bazaar. But uh, yeah. But anyway, so it's quite cool in that the as the, as we said that video uh, basically said, look, you know, of these six people you need in the meeting, everybody can get on this time slot except you. Um, and actually, all you're doing then is you're having a coffee. I'm absolutely certain I said this on the last podcast. Mm -hmm. yeah. So anyway, that scheduler comes through and it tries to work out where you're at. And then what I really liked about the video is that you then set that meeting up and it was, just a minute, you now need to reschedule the one that you couldn't get to. So it's kind of working out and, and basically saving time. And I read one or two of the, the uh, people that have been previewing this stuff. Mm -hmm. One guy said, this saves me two or three hours a week. Brilliant. That is why we are doing all this. Yeah. yeah to make yeah. our lives just better. Because to be honest, those are just ridiculous things that we need to do. And they take up so much time to find out who of these 10 people that need to attend this meeting. So when should we have this meeting? And th that just takes so much time. And if AI Cortana would just take care of all that, it would just be so much easier. And you has been complaining like Billy over the last two days that all you've had is meeting after meeting after meeting yes. after meeting exactly. and no time to do yes. any work. No, exactly, exactly. So the, the one thing that I kind of want to uh, bring to the table because we're talking about things that we're really looking forward to um, is the collapsible sections that are coming in SharePoint. Oh, yes. So it is on the roadmap due to be released in April, but we all know how... Recently, Microsoft and the roadmap, they're at least two months behind. So I'm kind of thinking this would come around June time that we will probably see it. Um, I know a lot of companies have made a solution like that, a, an accordion a collapsible so ex web Explain part. what it actually means. So yes, exactly. So what it means is um, so you have a piece of your uh, page in SharePoint that you can actually collapse or hide. Yeah, kind of hide. Yes, exactly. And uh, there, so 
during the, the years, there have been a bunch of companies that have been building something like that. Um, my current project, they, had, they have something like that as well. But I really love the fact how Microsoft is bringing it. I saw some screenshots of it uh, publicly. So I'm, I'm not talking any NDA stuff here. And it, this is an option that you will have on your section. So when you create a section, you can say one column, two column, three column, a white column and a small column, things like that. But now you will also have these extra options where you can say make this collapsible and it will collapse the whole section. So it doesn't matter what you put in it. So it can be just text or it can be images. It can be quick links. It could be a list or a library or whatever you want. It can all just collapse uh, on your page. And I think that will bring a lot more dynamic on the page because now we can just put much more on the page and just hide that and make it available for people who want to see it. Yeah, I was uh, I was reading through some of the stuff uh, earlier as we were talking about it as well. Um, and you were saying about the settings that you can have in terms yeah. of each of the sections. Um, but I was thinking about how well that would be when you're automating stuff. So at the moment, I'm making a decision tree on a page that says, hey, you need a new SharePoint site. So is this SharePoint site just for your team? Or is it uh, your team's editing it, but everybody's reading it? Or is it just for collaboration? Do you have lots and lots of sites? So do you need a hub site? And the idea, of course, they work their way to the bottom of the page. And then they go, okay, you need a hub site with uh, multiple uh, col uh, collaboration sites that obviously shared with, because that's where your end result is. And I was thinking that as I click a link that moves me down to my next heading, that could then collapse that section and then you don't end up scrolling all the way down the page. So yeah. I do get how you need that. Yeah. Uh, so that's yeah. cool. And w since we're talking about SharePoint pages, I also discovered a really cool thing that, uh, and it's been there for a number of months, but apparently every time you make a heading on a page, like a, a H1 or an H2 header, it actually creates a little anchor it for does, that yeah. item. So what I've been doing now, because I've been creating a bunch of, uh, topic pages uh, around certain topics. So what I would now do is make uh, the vertical section that you can put on the on the on the right of your page. I would just write table of contents there, and then I would put all the names of the titles in there with a link to those anchors. So if you got a really long page, you just have your table of contents. You can just click on the link, and it will just jump right to the to the right part of the page. We're awesome because I've been I've been creating a whole a series of pages. I've got 25 pages on a site, sort of defining the governance mm -hmm. uh, for the SharePoint service. And in the top right hand side, I've got a quick links which is uh, the page navigation, which takes you down to the different sections. So yeah, that's cool. But then I was trying to work out how I can keep that on the page all the time. Oh, uh, how it could float yeah, while you're yeah. scrolling down. Yeah, But that would here's be the other awesome. thing that I'm trying to get to as well, and I haven't looked yet and I haven't had a chance to mention you. So here's your moment to shine. Oh, no, no not pressure, again. Moraine, okay. Yes. Is there a web part that will actually scan all the pages and give you a table of contents for all of those links from the headers? No. I kind of feel like there should be. Yeah, well, that was one of the things that I was looking at as well. Like how right now, so I've got 10 chapters on my page and I all need to add those links manually. manually. Wouldn't there be some kind of table of contents web part that would just grab all those H1s yeah, and just put right. it in and a it's link? It's an object, yes. so you should be able to, but it wouldn't be cool no. if you can do it for the whole library. 
Yes, exactly. Yeah, so that would be step go. two. Yes, exactly. All right. Well, anyway, so so that's that's pretty cool. Um, I was thinking about this uh, expanding thing as well as you were talking about it. I remember doing that in 2010. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and the tabs. Yeah. Across the top, yeah. all, all of course by code, uh, by you know the site CSS. Neat, neat. But of course, these things bring us on to something that i wanted to, to kind of talk the about the main today. topic of the day because we don't want to do topic overload we already mentioned around 10 topics by now uh, so our one major topic that we really want to talk about yes all right look let's just get real here we are on episode 58 our numbers grow people love us why would we want to change because maybe just like your calendar example, maybe we've just been doing something and it just isn't working or is taking a lot of time or is not providing value and we need to do something about that. Nobody cares. They <laughs> listen to us or they don't listen to us. Okay. I don't know the answer to this question no. either, but you know, I, we've been doing this thing now for nearly sixty episodes, so we get our pension soon. So we'll we'll see where we go with it. All right, but I get it. We 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 want to anyway, the subject, uh, because you know it takes us a while to get there. But it followed on from the last meeting where we took we, we the last podcast where we talked about what we actually teach people about collaboration. Yeah. And, of course, we've been doing a lot just recently ab about adoption keeps popping up ever since kind of 50 on and off. And, and I came across a slide from an old Ignite which talked about, you know, getting people to commit to that change. And we always think about how do we get people to change, but then we never – and we always talk about things like continual improvement. You know, hey, it will be better because – but we never really talk about reinforcing or getting people to commit to that change. And I came across this slide which basically talked about uh, this kind of adoption funnel which starts off with um, three headings and then, of course, it gets to commitment. The first one was driving interest. The second one was guide understanding where you can sort of uh, get to the third one which is realizing value or, or adding value. Yeah. Yeah. And, of course, what we're talking about here are new benefits and add-ons that would drive interest. And it's those kinds of things that make people go, wow, yes, I must start using SharePoint because I can now do these things. And in the last episode of the podcast, we talked about the things that we would get them to start doing. Adding links into your emails, mm -hmm. you know, and that calls into the category of, of driving interest in my mind. So when we talk about driving interest, is it just about telling people the bells and whistles that they can do or is it a deeper thing? You know, is it is it a different kind of message? If you're trying to aim for a committed level of change, it's not something that's light and fairy, you know. Hey, you want to do a better PowerPoint presentation? then you can click on this button and do that. You know, is that enough to drive interest? Or do you actually need to set targets or to have a strategy of how you're going to, you know, set this thing up? We, we did it, I don't know, five years ago when we first started working together on these kinds of things. We drove interest 
by running a podcast, internal podcast within the organization. And I've seen that work in a number of places. So there's something more than just saying, hey, click this button and this will happen because that's just mm -hmm. a one-off yeah. level of interest. I, so think, I think it really depends on who you're talking to. If you're talking about to an end user that is building PowerPoints all day long, you will probably talk about that one new feature that will make their, their PowerPoint look 100% better. But if you're talking to an IT admin or to somebody from the C-suite, you will probably talk about uh, usability and cost and, and, and other topics. That's a really interesting thought, isn't it? So, so that definition of driving interest has to be very diverse and you really yes. need to understand your audience. Yes. Because you're right, that PowerPoint lady, person, man, whatever, would also be interested in reusable content. Yes. And so every time you look at a new feature, you need to think, okay, who do I need to tell about this? Mm -hmm. It's not just a simple case of, hey, there's something new. Everybody would be interested in this. And it's not just a case of, do I tell, do I announce this? Do I communicate this? You actually have to try and position it to the people that need it or get most benefit from it. Yeah. Which implies that you need to know your audience. Yes, exactly. Because to be honest, this is just a sales funnel. It, uh, it, yes, it, it kind of applies earlier. if you're selling microwaves or cell phones. You need to drive interest into what you're selling. Yeah, I'm selling the new Samsung S21 something something. Okay, cool. So why would I want to buy that? And then you need to guide people to understand that and then make them realize the value and then they will buy it it's true isn't it because very often the, s the first thing a salesperson will say to you when you're in the phone shop is so what do you use your phone for exactly and and this kind of also brings me to to that movie wolf of, of wall street where he says okay sell me this pen and this is where we where we want to end up because i want to sell a pen but at some point one of those guys says okay do you have something to write on and that is actually the first step to drive that interest. Oh, I, I need to write down something. Oh, then I need a pen. Oh, but you're selling a pen. Brilliant. I will buy that pen. The deal is done. Yes. So that is the, that sales funnel and that understanding because this is what we're doing every day to all of our users. We're selling the opportunity of making their life better with Office 365. So how do you drive that interest though? I think you need to talk a lot. Oh no, so I'm yes. not very good at that. <laughs> no, but it's just like what we did. Like we need to set examples. We need, to, like for example, the SharePoint lookbook is awesome for that. This is just showing you all the things that you could do with, with if, if, you're go if you would go to SharePoint, this would be the kind of sites and pages that you could set up. But then that assumes that you're trying to sell this to somebody that actually yeah. wants to build an intranet, for example. Yeah, no, of or course. Or pages course. are important. Yeah, exactly. Whereas pragmatic people are yeah. just about making sure I've got all the versions yeah. saved for my documents or reports that I write yeah. on a regular basis. You could also do it the other way around. You could, for example, talk to companies that just have been hacked and you say, okay, you know what? Maybe you need a firewall solution. <laughs> Something yeah. like that. Talking about firewalls, 
because I like to jump from one subject to another. Um, <laughs> one of my customers uh, changed firewalls to a different product. So instead of it saying Microsoft Defender now, it says Falcon. Awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. I love good product names. Yeah, brilliant. Yes, I, think, yes, I, I like yeah. being looked after by Falcon. Yeah. Anyway, um, so, so that's interesting. I never thought about it before that, that to drive interest, you come up with going, yeah, this is cool. 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 And you go, yeah, we need to communicate this and we need to put tr training sessions on for this. But actually, it's important you do understand to make sure you're telling the right people the right things. Of Otherwise, course. yeah, I know you're saying, "Of course, it's 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 no." But this thing, but this this is the thing. For example, with uh, TV advertising, they're just telling all the cool things that you would have with this with this thing that you might buy. While first, you need to to really get that interest. Yeah, uh, in there. I guess a lot of people also will get told, hey, we're going to the cloud. We're going to Office 365. And then they have to decide whether they're going to go, here we go again, something else we'll never use. Or whether they're going to go, okay, excellent, give me some new tools. We're going to the cloud. Yeah. And uh, Or what's the cloud? Exactly. I had yesterday, I kind of fell off my chair uh brilliant example as well like i'm i'm for one of my customers i'm migrating their personal well they're, they're all working in a in a, a remote desktop scenario and we're migrating their personal drives in that um uh in that remote desktop <laughs> to OneDrive, which is kind of a no-brainer so i'm i'm emailing people that haven't already replied that we haven't already moved over so the difficult people and one of the uh, one of those people, I, I, I they have a name, obviously. Yes. So I wrote I, I wrote this person an email saying, "Hey, I didn't hear from you about the migration of your Z drive," and he wrote back, "What's the Z drive?" So I said, "You know what? When you log into that um, that uh, central desktop thing uh, in the company, uh, then you have this this uh, personal drive," and he wrote back what's this uh, central desktop thing that you're talking about? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think wow. that's a typical example. We make so many assumptions. Yeah. So I think lesson number one for everybody here, and I need to write this down because I'm going to make sure we put this, is not to assume. Yes. It's the brilliant thing that I was told the first day I started working for a company as an as a business analyst, they said, if you assume you make an ass of you and me. Oh, yeah. And I love that one. And I've, I've, I'm using that every two weeks, at least once. Every time you look in the mirror. Yes. I can imagine that. Yes. I can imagine that. But, yeah, funny enough, I had somebody on uh, uh, today or yesterday. We were dealing with the migration. And uh, he came on and he obviously having a bad day. <laughs> so, okay uh, yeah all right so that's about driving interest so yes. it's important that we get that side now the yes. next uh, area in the funnel is to guide understanding mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which i think is probably the crux of all of this yeah because i think that's a two-way street i need to understand what you need what you what i want Absolutely. yes exactly all right and so that i can understand what i need to tell you and you need to understand how it's going to make your life better and easier and that's not easy no because it's kind of like a chicken and egg situation 
because you want to know what the audience wants and you know the product but the the the, the owner the the, uh, the the business user doesn't know the product and hopefully they know what they want kind of but they actually also don't know what they want because they don't know what is possible that and is true too yes so maybe they want to I don't know categorize documents but maybe they have a whole different understanding and they don't know all the the metadata options that we have right now so that's why they keep putting things in folders for example so if you don't tell them that we have this metadata option where we can group documents dynamically instead of putting things in folders they will never think about this option that this would be something that is really there yeah, I agree with that. I, I I fully support the fact that they need to be aware. And I think one of the traps that we, the organizations we work for, fall into, and we don't always have enough strength or power to make it change, is that, yeah, we'll do some training. That'll be fine. Uh, yeah, we're rolling out MS Teams. So I've got some information sessions, and we teach them how to do this and show them how to do that, show them how to do the other. But if you jump straight to number two to say, okay, we will show you how to do this. We will help you understand. That's not guiding the understanding because you haven't done step one. No. You haven't understood yeah. what their interests and their needs are and their current problems are for you to be able to guide their understanding of how their life can get better mm -hmm. uh, because you're going to go to the cloud. Hey, yeah. we go to the cloud. Yeah. What the hell does that mean? And and I failed miserably at this uh, at some point. So one of my customers is smaller smaller company, sixty people, and they're all working in one office on one floor. And I was trying to sell them Teams, so they could just work from wherever they want, and they could just all work in a team, and they could have these meetings online. But of course, they would all be in the same office. They would just see each other from nine to five. They just would be literally five feet from each other so they were not interested in teams why because would they need teams? exactly Excellent. so i didn't understand what they wanted to do now of course corona happened and everybody needed to work from home and now everybody needs to have teams to actually do this because they didn't have that need before but yeah corona. It's, it's a trap it is a trap isn't it yeah i, I also think it's about investment of time and effort and resources that needs to be made as part of the project so that uh, okay we need to drive interest how are we going to do that post a campaign get people excited about something um do some yeah. podcasts talk a lot exactly yes, yes. go and in, go into all the management meetings yeah. one of the um dirk we both know dirk who's uh, van forgot his last name but yeah. yeah from mm -hmm. um from ac um, but for GDPR reasons, we can't mention his name. Correct. Anyway, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yes. that's, yeah, that's where I was going with this, yeah. but I was trying to cover <laughs> it over. Good, good. Thank you. But the first thing he, that he did with me when, when I turned up on this consultancy gig was, right, uh, this date you need in the diary because they're all the management meetings and we need to get these people in. But it was amazingly interesting how unbelieving they were that anything was going to change. Yes. It was, are you going to do what? Good luck with that. Okay, am I saying the wrong thing here? Or as we have we underestimated or assumed an interest that isn't there? Yeah. So that's it's pretty cool. This is just one slide that I took at Ignite. 
five years ago that is driving some of these thoughts and ideas. But it, it's, it's, it's a brilliant slide on one hand, but it's just a very important topic that, y that yeah. we or every consultant or salesperson needs to know about. That we never think about, no, really. Exactly. Because we, we're yeah. a bit pragmatic. And also as consultants, we're also aware that we're charging people by the hour. And uh, if we suddenly say, yeah, we're going to need 50 hours of just trying to work out why they need to go to the cloud, that's not going to go down very well. That, no, but know. if you're looking at, uh, at it from an adoption standpoint, that is the exact first step that All you need to take. All the stages are important. Yeah. I have to say that's one, one thing that I would tell anybody that's listening here is think twice, three times, four times, five times about every stage you think you need in your adoption. Get rid of those that you know won't work in your organization and focus on those that through examples and previous projects have worked and then get that model built. So, But also experiment. Even if you oh know yes, that something doesn't work, experiment with it. Just try to do it in, in just a slightly different way that might still work. Yeah, that's and true. Yeah. Prepare to fail. Prepare to learn. Yes. Uh, hashtag screwed up. Yeah. Um, but uh, also one thing that I learned if we're just doing topic overload anyway is apparently topic overload is our core subject for this podcast yes, by the way exactly <laughs> it's it's the red thread throughout all our episodes I learned that uh, in at Google if they're building something or if they want to start building something if they come come up with an with an idea for a new project the first thing they have to do is write the obituary for it I knew that, yes. And I think that is brilliant. And they did like, oh, cool. So we've got a calendar solution. Okay, so we want to build this. Okay, so the first thing we're going to do is the obituary. So we had this great calendar solution and we know that it helped you doing this and this and this. But now it uh, needs to go away because there's something better. Oh, yeah. Well, maybe we don't need to build that calendar thing, but maybe we already need to think about that thing that is even better than that calendar thing. I, I agree with you, but I think the thing about an arbitrary uh, is it tells you what somebody was good at and what they brought in. And so yes. th the idea really is to focus on, okay, so these are the things that are going to drive interest. Okay, so let's make sure we focus on those and we get those bits right because yeah. they will drive interest. That's true. Yeah. Uh, very, very cool. Um, which also got me going on to a different subject, but I'm going to stay focused. <laughs> and it's nothing to do with the fact that I forgot what I was going to say. Okay. All right. So driving interest we've talked about, guiding understanding then is becomes easier because now we can do those really wow-wow things and go, hey, mm -hmm. you know, content types, wouldn't you be able to really be able to filter by the type of content in your library just from the drop-down? I can do that. Yeah, you can. Manage metadata. Uh, if you... B build your management today you can filter on a new library as a new column wow i can do that yeah and even though we all know that in 2013 you can drop it under the left hand navigation you don't need to do that now you can drop it into a column so i think that then you start to understand the kind of templates the kind of features the kind of facilities that needs to be done so yes you can't guide understanding unless you understand the user uh, and, and what they need to do. So that's cool. And then we get on to number three. And number three should fall in place automatically then, shouldn't it? Yeah, Realize value. So. Yes. If you get one and two right, three is a no-brainer. Of course, because you know your audience. You know what what they need, what, they, what their interest is. 
you know how they understand what they want and what they need and then you can just give them a solution or propose a solution that would just bring the actual value to them and this is also brilliant because this kind of reminds me of, of agile and scrum projects is people in the beginning will tell you what they need until they see it and then they will change their mind and say actually what i really need is this exactly and that's where i was going to go with this i'm, I'm going to invent a new ice cream flavor Mm -hmm. So I go to the market to understand what flavor would interest them. And then I help them understand that there is now a new fa flavor. And hey, you know, look, it's on the side of all the shops and the, the mm -hmm. cycles and things. And then we start to work out the realized value and work out whether they like it or not. Exactly. Because and the first step would be, would you like to have a new ice cream flavor? Yes, exactly. What is your favorite ice cream flavor right now? And why do you like it so much? And what brand? And why do you like that specific brand? Oh, it's because I can just buy it from the night shop on the corner. Okay, cool. And what do you like about it? Oh, it's available. It's not that expensive. It's good enough. What don't you okay. like about it? Yeah. I don't know. But every time I go to the night shop, there's always ice and crystals on the top of the ice cream because nobody buys ice cream from a night shop. But that's beside the point. That's also something else to fix. But... The thing about that realizing value is understanding the success. It's not about just assuming it's going to work, which is fine. As I said earlier, it should now work. That's not really true. It's <laughs> knowing that it did. And as you say, in that agile process, in that, ref in that review session at the end of the sprint, hey, this is what we built. And this is what it does. This is what you asked us. And this, yeah, I know, but that's not really how I thought it was going to look. Yeah. And then you can say, well, that's okay. We can fix the look. So, you know, I've progressively now worked out what they need to do. And now I know what they need it to look like. And then I can end up with a better product. So it's really about evidencing. And that's important. Yes. I think that's a brilliant term as well, evidencing. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and as consultants, is really important. So, yes, I know you've just paid me a bucket load of money. But look, this is what you've had delivered. This is where the value is. This is the commitment you made, and you're good to go. So, um, so realizing the value is is just is more often than not uh, about confirming that the things you were going to deliver, you understood their interest, you taught them and walked them through the understanding of where it would help them and add value, and then you've evidenced the fact that hey, they are now doing that quicker than they used to. Sometimes it's just about survey or just standing next to them when they do something True, or, yeah. or just revisit it uh, and, and checking. So, mm. And then we get to the point, are they now committed? Well, this is the part where they can commit. They can commit. But if, you're, if you succeeded to get their interest to solve an issue that they have, and to evidence that this would be the actual solution for one of their problems, I don't see why they wouldn't be committed. Because no. then they will say, look, I've got an issue. Now I realize I've got an issue. This is kind of like an AA meeting I, I'm, I'm now <laughs> realizing. But I know I've got an issue. And this would solve my issue. So why wouldn't I then not be happy to do that issue then i would be happy to change to that new solution because i know it's gonna change my issue i think that there's there's certainly the the idea that hey they should see this themselves yeah 
But if you're looking for commitment, you also now need to enforce it in your documented processes for the organization. You've kind of convinced everybody that it adds value mm -hmm. and you can prove that it adds value. You now need to that stick, and it is probably going to be a stick, to change the governance and the process to make sure that the new way of working is the one that the new guy gets taught that starts on Monday morning. They don't get taught the old way of working because the old standards and procedures have not been updated or yep, yep. or changed. Yep. And and I like the fact that the commitment and the formalization is at the end of the process. Um, so there we go. That's magic for everybody on how to the adoption funnel. How and, to sell uh, anything in this world. sell anything. Exactly. Drive interest, guide the understanding, realize the value, and they're ready to commit. Yeah. That's it. All right. Good. Job done. So it's that easy. Time for whiskey. Yeah, maybe <laughs> it is. It, it definitely is time for whiskey. Mm. But um, um, where would you fall over then? If it's, if it's that easy, I don't know. I know I'm being fairly facetious here all right if it was that easy why do we end up looking at it and going we failed in the adoption thing again because you know? we so many reasons we would come in there with a bias like my example with those 60 people where i would say you know teams would be the absolute ideal solution for you while not realizing that that was not the not what they actually needed do not realize what their interest would be what value would be for them so that is definitely what we as consultants fail a lot in we don't we don't obtain the audience's interest or exactly. their needs yeah. so i think that is that is definitely a first uh, step maybe there's no money for uh, driving those first uh, few um, phases into a project as well or we're talking to the wrong people um, so many things that could go wrong uh, I also think that there's definitely the, the argument of making sure that the right people are behind it from the top downwards the stakeholders yeah. and the business yeah. itself so that um, part of that driving the interest is making sure they're, they're kind of updated mm. um, I uh, uh, I don't know whether you've noticed the um, um, the Cortana emails have started coming thick and fast just recently. So they, they released in September, October time, those emails of, hey, you know, this is news, not news you can use, but the your one that... Focus uh, time focus and time your... And all that yeah. kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, all of a sudden, we started. they started appearing. So mm -hmm. even though we've not attempted to turn this off. Um, and so I had a, a couple of inquiries. How can I turn this off? Well, why would you want to turn it off? Well, because nobody knows what they're there for. But you've known about them for four months. Yeah, but we've never had to do anything because they didn't appear. Um, and, of course, that was about, uh, can I drive interest for something uh, when instantly people are going to be afraid of it Yes. because I haven't managed the fear. Yes, and that, that's exactly what's going to happen with the SharePoint app bar and that global navigation as well. I haven't set up a home site. So now my app bar is here and it's showing me all kinds of things that I really don't want. And we, we briefly talked about this earlier, about uh, how many changes go every day, how yes. many updates, small ones, big ones. Yeah. And how the fact that uh, you can't put them off, they're going to be there. Um, and this really is, this whole driving interest and guiding understanding, is, it's a loop. 
So yeah. this this funnel is not really a funnel. No, it's, it's a process. Yeah, and uh, it's a little bit like a good whiskey that's actually distilled three times, because each time you put it through the distillation, you get something better out of it at the other end. Yeah, um, and so this idea of driving interest. So it struck me that once I realize the value and I get committed, I actually now know what the interests of the company are because my standards and procedures have been updated. So I know where their value is. Yeah. So when it comes to driving interest for the next release, I'm already better prepared than I was the first time. It's true. Or the situation has changed. For example, last year, COVID happened and everything changed. But it also might be that the company was bought by another company or they bought another company. Now we need to do a bunch of things again because maybe we need to realign some strategic values. We need to think about the corporate culture. We need to, yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. And I think as, as, as you just said that, of course, um, uh, the COVID example is, is ideal. You know, a year ago, a year ago, wow, everybody suddenly uh -huh. started working from home, yeah. all right? And so Teams was perfect. Yeah. Now a year later, everybody will be doing hybrid working because the companies don't want to pay for the, uh, the floor space. People don't want to go back to the office. Yeah. But that's now we've got <laughs> to start looking at using Teams in that way. Yeah. How do I know where you are? So do I call you on Teams? Uh, or are you actually just around the corner in the office? Yes. I don't know that. So, I'm, you know, there's now another new area that has to be looked at. So now we're committed. Now we're starting to drive the interest again based upon, as you say, scenario change of you might be working from home or you might not. Mm -hmm. And that's on a Monday and a Tuesday. So do we use shifts to actually work out who's at home and who's not at home? Do we Do we put some kind of, processing yeah. that says hey you need to update your location every day so people know whatever yeah. it takes is we now know what's going to drive people's interest hey look i don't want to talk to you on teams if i can come around the corner and talk to you at your desk yes yeah, or we can go and have a coffee in the canteen that i've missed for a year that i don't have to pay for anymore uh, because um, but was it good own. coffee it was great coffee oh, okay, actually okay, yeah i missed okay, that coffee yeah. um and, but you're right it's this this loop this continual improvement process where we have realized one set of value allows us to start being a better place to get more value out of this mm -hmm. um, as part of the process for adoption. We all know that adoption never finishes. It's just that people like to say, well, we'll spend 10 grand on it now and then we're over and done with. Yeah. Not quite. Nope. Nope. Cool. Bunch of hidden costs. Yes. So it's looped, which is cool. I think we probably knew that anyway. But if you hadn't worked out, uh, I hope that you've managed to kind of get something new from this. And now, as we don't want to go over an hour, it's definitely time to finish off with a whiskey that we don't think you would easily find. And I think no. this time we have definitely got a whiskey that people would not easily find. No, because on the one hand, it's a whiskey from Belgium. It is. On the other hand, it just came out literally like three weeks ago or something. Um, and but it's it's available for everyone that wants to buy it. It's not a limited release. No, it's but not. it is coming from my favorite Belgian distillery. I know it's not your favorite, but it's definitely. I my wasn't going to say a word. 
No, no, no. I, 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 we've got a bunch of Belgian distilleries these yes. days. So we've got the Wild Weasel oh. that you really, really I love. Adore that, yes. uh, but this one is coming from uh, the Molenberg, from the distillery that also makes... Well, there used to be a brewery, or there they are a brewery, and they are uh, well known for their Gouden Carolus uh, beer, which is a brilliant triple beer. Um, if you're somewhere in the world and you go to a Belgian beer cafe, it will probably be on the map. So a few years ago, they started making uh, whiskey as well in uh, in a brand new distillery uh, called uh, Molenberg. And uh, I just love their whiskey. It's lots of caramel in there, lots of like these chocolate tones. I just love that whiskey. And now a few weeks ago, they actually came out with their peated uh, version. And because we are just big suckers for peated whiskey, Steve went and bought a bottle. Yes, I, uh, I went and walked a long way to my whiskey store. I had a bit of an exercise, I think, sitting on my backside all day. And uh, and yes, I went and bought the peated version. I have to say I'm not a big fan of this whiskey, or I have not been a fan of this whiskey, because I think they do a lot of sherry stuff, and that's not my favorite. But that's my obviously going to change. Yes, but I, I think that like two weeks ago, we actually tried it, and your exact words were, I really don't want to love this whiskey, <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it is true. Yeah. It is true. So it's called the, and I'm going to get Marin to pronounce it, <laughs> Blasfeld Brook. Okay, and yes. it's uh, a, a, a small stream apparently that's close exactly, by. Exactly, yes, yes. So the Blasfeld is actually the street of where that uh, uh, where that distillery is, yep. and the brook is the 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 stream of water that's running there. Yep, oh. it's cool. So it is a Belgian whiskey, so it's a single malt. Um, yep. And uh, if you are in Belgium and you do want to do the whiskey the distillery tour, it is a cute little place, I have to say. Yes. Uh, and well worth a trip. Yep. Uh, but with a touch of peat. And uh, like all good whiskies nowadays, it's uh, over the magic number so that it's non-chilled filtered, uh, color-free, so no caramel or anything else. And it's distilled, aged, and bottled in Belgium. And actually exactly. doing the tour of the brewery, or the old brewery, is awesome because every floor is just full of whiskey barrels. And uh, of where it's sort of sitting, and you get to smell the angels share. So yeah, it's yeah, cool. it's, it's, a, it's a cool uh, little... Anyway, uh, let's talk about this water because it really is very incredibly light. Exactly. It kind of reminds me of the Octomore and yes. the, the other whiskies that are super heavily peated, but they just don't look so peated. Yeah. So it's a lovely drink. It's not very oily. And if you look at it on the glass, it, there's a little bit there, but uh, uh, nothing like the one we tasted earlier. No. And I think maybe that also has to do a bit with the fact that this whiskey has no age statement. It is Correct. a very young whiskey. I think it's it's probably just 36 months or something like that. Uh, because they, re they they don't take the time yet, maybe, to really age uh, their whiskey. Maybe in a few years they will come out with a 12-year-old. I don't know. We'll see. So it's peated quite interesting. They, they use Scottish peat. Exactly, which I think is super funny, because I'm pretty sure that we will have peat somewhere in Belgium as well. But for some reason, they order their peat in Scotland. They have it transferred, and then, okay, then they use it. Yeah, and... Uh so there you go. So anyway, mm -hmm. on the nose, I have to say, it's beautiful. It, it is. Really it really is subtle and light. It's uh, aromatic. 
Yes, and it on the nose, it really reminds me of a Lafroig. Really? I just had a bottle of uh, the, the, the super cheap Lafroig, the Lafroig Select, which is kind of like the uh, whiskey from the, the wee beastie that we got from Artbeck, which yeah. is kind of tastes like an Artbeck, but it's not really the oomph of an Artbeck. And same thing with that um, uh, Lafroig Select. It kind of tastes like uh, Lafroig, but it doesn't have that oomph in there. It doesn't taste like kissing your grandma who smokes two packs a day. <laughs> it doesn't have that. And and to me, this smell really reminds me of that Lafroig Select. It really reminds me of that faint Lafroig typical smell. Mm, I don't think it's got the same body as that, but I get it. But I was just looking at some of the notes on this one, and the, the somebody says a, a, a slight spirity nose, but overall a balanced nose. And I think that's absolutely spot on. Yes. Enough smoke, enough sweetness. Yeah. Hint of fruit there. Yeah. Apples. That typical iodine. Yeah. Beat it. Uh, that's yeah. lovely. Let's taste it. Mm -hmm. It's good. <laughs> I can't say anything else about it. It is very, very good. It's kind of smooth for a no-age whiskey, smoother than you think it's going to be. Yes, but you still have that kick of peat uh, um, in there, yeah. Yeah, and um, unlike one or two of their other brands, the finish is really quite lengthened on it, comparatively yes, speaking. Yes, and it doesn't have that peated finish, but it, it does have kind of a, like of a, a mellow, orangey finish. That's what I get yeah. anyway. Yeah, a bit of orange on the finish. But it's not, it's not a complex finish, but that's no, fine. No, no. We should also say that it's it's not overly expensive, all right? It's about 50 euros a bottle, but the bottle is small. Exactly, so yes. It is only 50 centiliters yes. rather than your normal 75 centiliter yeah. bottles. So mm. I don't think it's pretty cheap either, so... No, it's not, but it's a very small organization, isn't it? It's so true, no. It's not mass-produced whiskey, yeah. so... Yeah. Well, but this is this is not a limited edition that they bring out. So this is a one of well, their their second regular whiskey. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, I like the n the default one better because it just has that bunch of caramel in there. They're just nuts. Yeah. <laughs> How can you say that? <laughs> I will. I will this week. I will actually do a comparison between the two just to mm -hmm. find out because yeah. I have been taking a different approach to this, and I was mm. I was disappointed when we went to the uh, the tasting, but this. This is surprisingly good. But interesting, if I was sitting down in front of a fire thinking, I'm going to go and have a nice smoky whiskey, that's what I fancy, I would not go for this. No, exactly. It this is not a fireside no, whiskey. No, it's not. It's too fruity. It's too light. It's too sunshine, springtime. <laughs> yes. It's it's that balance, isn't it? Um, it's good. A, a pretty narrow and simple whiskey is the way that a lot of people are describing this. But it, it, it actually is slightly more complex. I think that's an unfair statement. Well, don't don't get me wrong. It's a good whiskey. I it mean, is. it ticks it all the is. boxes. It's enjoyable. It's it's that peaty character, fruity. All you actually need in a whiskey, definitely. It's got that distinct character. So it's distinct enough to say when you do a tasting of five whiskeys, this would definitely, you would know that this would be this one if you know yeah. this one. No, I, I agree. So there we go. So it's uh, a Corollas 
It's their petered version, so the uh, Gouden Corollas, if I pronounce that badly. Molenberg, yeah. In Molenberg. It's uh, about 48%, which allows it to be uh, no filtering required. It's a beautiful colour. I mean, it it really is just elegant in terms of its colour. And, as Moraine says, I didn't want to enjoy it, but actually I think it's bloody lovely. Absolutely lovely. So there you go. You can get hold of a copy fairly easy. Um, Yes, uh, we know that uh, we try to bring you something that you've not tasted before. This time it's new. So yeah. definitely on the cards. So, Marin, that was excellent. And I think it's been a good podcast. I don't think we've diverted too much. So a little bit of structure here this time. Well, we just gave a lot of examples. You'd correct. Yes. We'll find some excuses to yeah. keep going. Yeah. <laughs> so drive interest, guide understanding, realize value. Commitment is all about evidence that people have implemented are using are getting benefit from the tools and uh, and then you'll look like rock stars absolutely which is why we do these things it is true okay and that bag we've of money of course yes. <laughs> yes and we've gone over the hour yep. oh oh well i don't really care it was good and nobody's actually told us we're too long that's true we were we got zero zero percent of people said that yes we're exactly. too long yeah. <laughs> all right guys so uh i hope you've enjoyed this i think uh, there's a lot of learning there i'm absolutely certain everybody that's listened to this has learned something new even if it's just that gowden carolus at the Mer- at the uh Mellibuk brewery has put a new whiskey so that's new but maybe you've got some new ideas on how you could drive interest uh, guide the understanding and actually get people to the point where they commit to something because they can realize the value as a start of your ongoing loop to make things better. So Steve Dolby is going to say hi. Sai Steve on Google. You'll find me on Twitter. Uh, if you want to ask any questions, not that anybody ever does, but therefore I can say it and not expect to lose any time over it. And uh, I'm just going to wish you a very pleasant doing whatever you're doing time. And I'm going to say goodbye and hand over to Moraine. Well, I think my main thing a year in COVID is know when to relax, know when to take a break, know when to enjoy the sunshine. Spring is coming. Winter is over. Enjoy the sunshine. Enjoy taking time off. Take care of yourself. If you've got any questions, at Marijn Somers, feel free to contact me. And uh, with that, I wish you a spectacular rest of your day or evening or night and talk to you very soon. If I give you a bottle, will that help you hit the road? That would be awesome. If only we could put whiskey in the cloud and build an app to download it straight into the glass. And you said I was the millennial. All right, out, out. Thank you, man. See you next time. Oh, Steve, you know what? You know what we forgot to talk about? Next time, Moraine, on the next Office 365 Steve.